Welcome to The Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And here we are. We're here to finally cover the oh-so-shocking finale of Season 39, Survivor Island of the Idols. Mama, look at me now. Mama, I really could have never seen how this finale was going to go down. Truly a masterclass in shocking, unpredictability, all over the place. Chris Underwood, eat your heart out. Like, <laughs> right? Tommy Sheehan is the winner of this season. Who could have seen it coming? <laughs> Where were the signs? <laughs> if only I had a podcast to dissect this all for me. If only. If only something like that could grace the internet. Unfortunately... In reality, they made the shocking decision last week um, in episode 12 to entirely telegraph this finale beforehand. You could call it foreshadowing, or you could call it, like, I don't know, just dumping a bomb on you and hoping you're okay with it a week later. I think it really showed a masterclass in my stubbornness and unwillingness to believe things that are laid out in front of me because they did that. And I was like... (laughs) But what if something else happens? And then exactly what they said happened. And how Imagine if, like, in the Game of Thrones, like the episode before the Game of Thrones finale, they just said everything that happened in the next episode, and you're waiting all week, like, ooh, maybe, just maybe, something's going to be different. Like, they, they, it's got to be part of a master plan to subvert our expectations. Just kidding. I mean... I didn't watch Game of Thrones that far, but I kind of, I followed along and I kind of felt it was getting there, but that's for another podcast. I'm not here to slam or praise Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah, that's fair. I'm here Um, to slam and praise Survivor Island of the Idols. Yeah, I feel like coming out of this finale, I'm in this weird spot where I think I'm vastly higher on the season as a whole than most people. But mm-hmm. lower on this finale, probably the most people. I think I'm I'm high on both. I think the finale is finally starting to sort of fall apart. Like just that general finale excitingness to it, and then I'm like, well, it was pretty telegraphed, and kind I don't know, moments didn't all add up together. But yeah, the season itself definitely higher than the general fan base. I think. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I think. I mean, I've seen all kinds of things saying this is the worst Survivor season ever. I I think this might be top half Survivor, maybe even top 10 Survivor for me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And seeing it last place, like, there's some really terrible, unwatchable Survivor seasons that don't make sense, completely fall apart, have no, like, structural integrity whatsoever. This had all those. This had good characters. This had most of the stuff that we always ask for, and then just one really bad thing. I guess to me... I'm willing to put the good stuff over the one really bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand why a lot of people don't have it that way. But I do think that to completely dismiss this season is unfair because there are so many great characters. There's so many things that pop so hard. And I'm this is the season I'm going to come back to probably multiple times. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did like a ranking of everyone based on how much I like them. And it was... Nice to see how many characters I was like, oh, I legitimately like them. And then the lower characters were either um, one, Mr. Tommy Sheehan, sorry, or just like earlier characters who didn't get a lot of screen time. So Mm -hmm. I think there's two major like departments to kind of really herald for this, because I think casting hit it out of the park this season. I don't think it's Mm -hmm. like even the characters that I think didn't pop as hard on screen. I think that was more failing on the edit. For example, Tommy, I think he's probably more interesting than we saw on TV. Oh, definitely. Um, And then on the flip side, I do think that the editors 
managed to take the characters who maybe weren't outstanding casting and make them into really fascinating characters. And so I think the combination between the two really managed to make this season really, really pop in a way that I don't think any of the recent seasons have. Mm-hmm. Well, David and Goliath. I don't yeah, think David, David versus Goliath. They're not working together. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, David and Goliath, uh, the buddy cop <laughs> comedy coming to you. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, I got a lot of vibes of that season, though. Where I don't know if it's just that theory where they alternate seasons and like the B team took this one and did their best and this is what we got. So, yeah, definitely very high on the season, accepting the obvious. Mm hmm. The one interesting comparison there actually is like, I remember the preseason of David versus Goliath. It felt like there was nothing and they like threw like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, beforehand, it really felt like they just dumped this season on us and they like, there's no pre like no preseason hype. It was really like, it, it felt kind of like laced together and going in, I felt like it was going to be really bad. Same with uh-huh. this one. And both have managed to be very good. Whereas the more hyped ones were, in my opinion, very bad. So yeah, uh, uh, portents for 40, but we'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a that's a bad sign. Overall, though, they made the decision in episode 12 to basically telegraph everything. They talk about how Janet was going to be a threat in fire making, so she, we had to take her out at five. And we just saw that exact same thing happen. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Lauren wasn't going to have a spot in the end. And then, I mean, with Dean's late game performance and I think Nora just being Nora threw some curveballs in there, but like overall, not a surprising result. Exactly. Though, I do think in spite of when you just look at the actual who got voted at where uh, this finale was bad. Yeah, they chose to telegraph it, I think in some ways a mistake but through that i think they were actually able to show a spotlight on the characters and the relationships that we haven't been getting to see throughout the Mm -hmm. season like tommy and dean looked like best friends out there and we hadn't seen that in a while you know i mean like we hadn't seen them really bond we got a lot of character moments like the dean tommy idol hunt was so fun to watch Mm -hmm. or like lauren and nora how they interact with one another Mm -hmm. and one scene in particular i thought was just like outstanding was like the unraveling that dean there was like i think they did a brilliant job of showing that there was more going on in dean's head than we had ever seen and like a couple of the like kind of drunken uh kung fu style moments where he's like i need to take a poop and and then we flashed to a confessional of him being like i just need these people to think i'm stupid so i can get this idol like Mm -hmm. i thought they really unmasked dean as like a power player I thought that was a wonderful editing choice because I think him popping here really, you were like, hmm, could he win? Could he actually pose a threat to Tommy who is a safe player? Dean's an active player. Maybe that's the conversation we're going to have here at the end. I thought it was at least interesting and I'm glad that they fleshed out a character right there at the end. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I like the final tribal council. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think they always, they're, Starting to do a really good job of giving everyone at least some sort of time here. Like, mm-hmm. even with Nora, it was clear that she was discounted, but she got, like, her say, and it made sense. And then it did feel like a closer fight between Dean and Tommy. And from what I've heard, I mean, apparently the jury was pretty mean to Nora. And, like, we they actually presented her, like, with dignity and, like, that it wasn't ripping into her at the end. They showed her mostly yeah. pretty good. Right. Which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. um so obviously tommy comes out the winner 
not really a shocker here. Not um, he wasn't the distraction as some people expected. He was in fact just the winner. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because I think I kind of alluded to this earlier. I think Tommy might be more interesting than what we saw on TV because his after season interviews have been really really good. Yeah, and. From what I understand, he has a good Twitter presence. I still haven't really looked into it, but I'll trust the voices I'm hearing. But I feel like you could also see uh, glimmers of it on the screen. Like there were moments where it felt like there was more to Tommy than we were actually seeing. And due to the edit manipulation, it got sort of shoved to the background and Mm -hmm. all that. So No, I... To me, Tommy might be... Like, is he the best modern winner? Uh, Depends on your definition of modern... And then I probably I would even say no because like <laughs> no like, I'm trying to think of anybody in the last like in the 30s. There's a lot of like words that need definition for me like modern best winner. <laughs> true, 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 true. Do they win in their own feelings? Um, I guess that's a good point. I guess to me, my little soapbox here is I think Tommy especially if you listen to i definitely recommend listening to his rob has a podcast right after the finale right after he learns he wins mm-hmm. interview where he just comes swinging like he's like i'm taking survivor back i'm showing that you don't need advantages you don't need idols that stuff doesn't matter it's all about the social game i made this game look like a joke i didn't even need uh they made this dumb twist to make it hard for players like me and i still did it anyway uh like he really was like unhinged and swinging for the fences in that interview. <laughs> and uh, I, I like, I went from being like a Tommy hater to a Tommy lover. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's one of us. You know what I mean? Like this is a guy that's like, I'm tired of these idols. I didn't even need them. I didn't really look for them. Uh, you know, like fantastic player from what I could tell. And we've also been treated to uh, pretty lousy winners recently. Right. That's fair. Yeah. I think sort of my issue with Tommy is that that's all very true of his game, but I think the season itself, even through some of its stories ultimately failed in really showing the strengths of the game he played and like how good and captivating that is to watch in Survivor. It's almost as if they didn't want to highlight that this is a possibility. You can still do it without all the advantages we throw in there. Like mm-hmm. they were ashamed. So I think that's where I'm, I don't know, lower on Tommy, but. Yeah, Sur- Survivor's kind of having an internal wrestling match where it's, well, we want the idols, the advantages to stuff to matter because th- at this point they've become a flagship part of the product. They are as much of part of the game as voting people out. But mm-hmm. no matter what, a good player theoretically can still outpace a bunch of advantages if they're thrown in there. Right. And that's kind of like an internal conflict of like, well, good players don't necessarily need them, but oftentimes we highlight just people who find things as good players. And I think it's definitely like a weird internal wrestling match that they're going to have to figure out how to deal with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any other thoughts? I'm trying to think about the challenges. They were fine. Like, Dean goes on a little bit of an immunity run until... I I actually love the new final challenge that they kind of like the the island of the idols challenge like uh, have to spell out the letters i like it only for the fact of like it only works with these corny themes like imagine just like fiji or something like <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah hmm. i don't know because like they've done it in heroes healers hustlers they did the weird like boat one last season Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's fine, I suppose. They let Nora win, which was the best result, I think. But eh. Nora win it. Oh, I do want to mention, I guess, before we move on, Tommy's play of 
telling her that he can't make fire, I think should go down as one of the best plays ever. I don't think it will ever get the credit it deserves, but that was incredible social manipulation. It is being highlighted as sort of, oh, you can be the person taken and still win. I think that's a misrepresentation of it because, yeah, Tommy, that's a move he did. And it only, I think, works with very specific circumstances like Nora and Tommy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it will probably maybe get underestimated. But I think like, I guess my take is like listening to other Survivor podcasts and stuff. I think the worst take for ever since the fire making thing came in was like, can you win from being taken? I don't think the jury cares about that at all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Like, I don't think the jury factors in that fire making challenge whatsoever. Like the idea of like, you have to go up against this person and fire to show that you're brave. I feel like that's people vote ultimately for like who they respect. And like, that's kind of what they vote for. It's the cross section of that. Maybe you get some more respect if you go into fire making, but unless you're against somebody who will beat you in the end, it's not worth that gamble. I don't think ever. I think it's mostly a, like a foregone conclusion like you get people like julie who are obviously goats and then they get taken so it makes sense but then with tommy he's able to explain i did this as a move and this is how it worked out and so it just sort of plays into whatever game they're playing it's not always the person who wins immunity takes the biggest goat like yeah that'd be like saying you like tony shouldn't like tony is no different to me than tommy here where tony convinces woo bring me instead of the person you'll beat same thing like yeah i don't know i i I was stunned that that became like a like a thought process of well you can't bring somebody to the end because it's not gonna lower you're gonna look like an idiot if you bring a good player to the end like seemingly Mm. nora did and logically i don't think survivor wants that because like um then you're just basically discounting another person it's like why have why not just make it a final two and you get to vote one person out and then the other two have to face her fire it's just what's like you don't want this automatic goat because they were taken. Yeah, yeah, and I'm on the fire making challenge. I do like I loved Lauren and like we really sang her praises and Dean as well. But I mean, we didn't sing Dean's praises as quite as much. But like both of them never making fire before when you make the final four in Survivor to me is embarrassing. Like, I think that's yeah, like the actual shameful level of play. Like, okay, the the fire-making challenge is so stupid, but, like, if it's the game and you know it's the game, you should practice beforehand. Like, there's no excuse for that, in my opinion. Right. There's something to say about, like, where Survivor is in relation to sort of old-style versus new-style, where it almost feels like everyone should have that ability in, like, earlier seasons, and it's so important to the game, whereas here, the game has morphed so much. Either good or bad, I'm not saying that, but... Now people can get to the end and they're not the ones making fire. They're not the ones, quote unquote, surviving. It's just, "Mm, where is Survivor now? Like, I talked to my parents before the finale about it and they had really bad opinions. They were saying Tommy, they wanted Tommy to win and wanted Nora out. And so I'm not talking to them anymore. They're canceled. But they, my dad also said Survivor is like a talk show now. And like... Yeah, I mean, I don't know where exactly it was coming from, but I get that where it's it's not about the surviving anymore. And that's not really new news, but it's it's an interesting balance too. If you have this fire making challenge as a very important part of your game, like what's what's the actual importance of it? It's just very bizarre. I agree that those two not having made fire throughout their time there is just what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it almost to me 
as much as I really liked Lauren and what she was able to do and how sad I am that her bad, it almost makes me understand why she was edited badly and like makes me take away so many good player points away from her because it's like showing up to a job and not knowing anything about like lying on your resume and then not knowing what to how to do the skill that you got hired for like it's so bizarre like you know this is a million dollar fire why not grab a piece of flint that's out there like one night spend trying to make it anything better than I've never made fire before. I have no idea what I'm doing, and it will stress me out to the point of crying. Mm -hmm. And it's even, to some extent, you can say that's your niche, and like, oh, I'm not going to need to make fire because I'm either going to be the one who wins the immunity or the one who gets taken. Either of those are valid strategies. Lauren, I feel like, has at least known from episode before the finale that she is a threat. She is someone who will not be taken to the end. And so, at least on day 35 or so. I mean, even if if your plan, even if you're Tommy or whatever, and your plan is like, okay, I'm going to get to the floor and they're going to bring me. That's that's what I'm thinking about. That's my plan. What if you're wrong is, I feel like, an important, like, calculus you have to do in the game of Survivor. And learning the fire is covers that basis like Mm -hmm. sure yeah you optimally you get brought that's the best spot you win immunity or you get brought that's the best spot but like if you're wrong you don't want to just lose automatically Mm -hmm. it's bad game logic i was so here in my um sort of web of paths that the finale was taking as it was going i was ready for nora to say her plan out loud and then flip it and be like oh actually tommy you're competing for fire and like me too this wild scenario but i kind of thought we were getting that too and i was like (laughs) imagine how brilliant that would be if nora all day is just like all right tommy you're safe we're going to the end tommy you're making fire against dean like it would have been brilliant i'm Mm -hmm. sad nora didn't do it it would have been like honestly like that story we're tracking of nora destroying everyone's games yeah like this would have been number one season of all time for me if that had happened even if tommy won oh yeah because like that would just perfect checking of a, a story they've been telling this whole time instead of it just being nora loses in the end so yeah so this season obviously we've been tracking the stories from the very start i think most of them in hindsight we actually did a pretty good job of tracking and to me that's a testament to how good the season was that from episode one there's hints of the story to come like the Mm -hmm. likability is a liability line that we've been bringing up every week was said in episode one highlighted specifically in episode one and then they build on more strands all throughout um and so i think ultimately that was the story of the season culminating in tommy's pitch about why he kept elaine and janet around Mm because you know they were they were more likable than him and so they were shields they were gonna get cut before him i think that aspect of this story of survivor that we saw was masterfully handled Mm -hmm. i agree just a general sort of scope big scope they had all these things to deal with but the big thing was like socially how you interact socially is very important and as much as maybe they didn't want to or not they downplayed things like the idols or the island of the idols stuff like that in favor of these themes emphasizing how you play socially how you interact with people and all that so i think that's how it leads to tommy's story even if you get stuff like the big um personal space story tommy was obviously almost cut off from that but as a social issue it's very important to tommy's win absolutely and i mean 
on the social theme part, like part of it, the theme that they were telling us was the importance of compromise and groups working together that might not necessarily, which really was Tommy's like kind of winning coalition, right? Like mm-hmm. he's working with Lauren, Janet, Elaine. It's not people that um, like he's not he's not working with Aaron and like the big buff guys. He's not like he's working with a just like a diverse coalition here to get to the end. I feel like yeah. almost all the themes really at the end of the day do lace onto Tommy in a way that is almost distracting where you, everybody's game was informed by Tommy's game at the end of the day, mm-hmm. which is amazing long-term storytelling, but I think is a reason why most of the internet ended up figuring out Tommy was the winner by the end, like by the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, can I think if there's anything specific I want to highlight? Uh, the teaching theme we sort of mentioned it never actually, I feel like fully like got there, like as much as we could have seen. And I, I think that's kind of because Tommy never technically went to Island of the Idols. I mean, he was there, obviously, but he never got to fully sort of sow the seeds for it to become something bigger. So I think it was downplayed. Also, I was looking at Dean's profile, and the moment he's proudest of was um, when he was teaching. So it's interesting that they never brought up that both Tommy and Dean were teachers at one point. Like, Dean's no longer one, but it's something... That was very important to the top two people of this season. So very yeah, interesting. That is very interesting. I think another thing here, like the teaching thing was relevant to Island of the Idols in many ways. In this episode, we saw the cast go to Island of the Idols mm-hmm. and Tommy, the one person who had never met Boston Rob and Sandra was unable to do one of their tasks because of a physical limitation. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of relevant to this story of it's almost this whole season had this anti Island of the Idols theme behind it started from like episode one, when people were tracking, Ooh, Krishma must win because Boston Robin Sandra will love her to her immediately being ripped to shreds. The next tribal council Um, over and over again, the people who they liked were like dismantled quickly uh, pose almost no threat. Basically, this was a season of undermining Boston Robin Sandra. I think in many ways, because of this theme, because Tommy ends up winning despite never going. I think that's an important like narrative decision if you're editing this season of thinking, well, our winner's the only person who didn't go. That means they didn't do a good job. That means we have to highlight that they don't know what they're doing from pretty early on. Completely feeds into all the way to the end when the one lesson he's actually given a chance to participate in is unfair to him because he is colorblind. Right. I mean, we get at the Jason Tribal Council that Boston Rob points out how mad Tommy is, which is almost one of those moments of negativity that you're like, does this mean something in the future? And of course, it's it's wrong. It's It didn't even affect Tommy that much anyway. So um, yeah, stuff like that. And I agree about the point of his lesson not going the way it did. I mean, I think that's more edit manipulation because he did figure it out and colorblindness and all that. But um, yeah, I think it sort of points out where it's okay for him to fail there. Yeah, absolutely. Like ultimately, this season was about how good teachers can really change your life. But that it doesn't have to, like, you know, it doesn't have to come from external forces. Like your like decision to be a good person can help regardless. Um, which I mean, Tommy at the end of the, at the end, basically saying 
yeah, I was the like fifth most likable guy, and I was okay with that. I made one on one bonds, and that's why I won. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Like that's kind of the story of the season in many ways. Is a lot of these people were too likable, not likable enough. It's this weird like they were goats or they were too likable, and either way, that's the end of your time here. Whereas if you ride the middle, that's where you find the most success, and I think that's kind of what we can take from Tommy's win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think more than any other season and people pointed this out there was this so many lines throughout episodes where it would be like this person is a goat or this person is too likable they cannot make it to the end and you had a point where so many I think it was every woman at like final 10 and then I think Tommy Dean and Dan didn't get this but like every all of them could be divided into goats or like winning if they make the end and i think that's more than we've seen it before so it is very much the season wrapped around where you are in things being a good player but not likable per se yes which is so similar to the theme we were tracking very early on of like survivor as a high school with the cool kids and the nerds goats and people who will win at the end i think that's kind of one of the philosophical backbones of the season of mm-hmm. players in the middle deciding whether they align with the people on the extreme ends of the other side. I think that's very interesting. I think, again, another story here that they were able to tell really, really well. Because that's one thing that's really good about the season, right? Is that you can look at the cast and for the most part get like a power ranking of, well, who was the biggest threat to win at the end? Right. Seemingly yeah. Lauren. So Lauren had to go. Janet had to go. Why? Because she was less threatening than Lauren, but was better at fire which makes her more of a threat. They really did a good job of articulating the strategic game here, which I like, like of their threat level for the strategic game, which helps me, the viewer understand what's why they're thinking this way. I guess if I had to summarize why this season was sort of underwhelming because of the Tommy win, it is that yes, they did do this good job of showing threats and stuff and why people have to go, but they're also trying to do this at the same time as presenting Tommy with this really good edit as something we're recognizing as people who look at the edit and it was always this weird imbalance where i'm like yeah tommy is the like like third on the tier here but the edit has always shown us that he is like going to win this season and i think that's the biggest struggle right is we get so many people who are better winner candidates than tommy but we're being told that tommy's winning at the same time and there can be two truths kelly kim so doesn't mean they're easy to comprehend in my brain. I agree. I think to me, the ultimate sin of this season is not presenting Lauren as a serious threat. Um, I think everything else I can forgive that to me is literally unacceptable because it, it really complicates the narrative where we're told, okay, well, Lauren's the most likely to win, but we know nothing about her, but also her, the person who's supposed to be her like protege looks way better in every way gets mm-hmm. more content is just the, everyone loves him and so like why is she better they never articulate and that to me is a total failing of the season yeah they never articulate it but it is also like so clear just from how you're perceiving the season mm-hmm. uh, oh i get why lauren is like threat number one but like they're not telling us that per se in a good way not for, and definitely not from the start of the season like they were doing with tommy yeah like like if you remember that episode where molly gets voted out yes lauren kickstarts this plan and she is why it happens but tommy's the swing vote and so therefore tommy is sort of the credit of this yeah exactly and like the other thing is not only is tommy this quote-unquote swing vote role he actually vocalizes like it's clear he wants to keep molly like he's like pushed over like his opinion doesn't matter at this tribal 
mm-hmm. but he gets the content narrating it. Whereas we see Lauren's like, I'm going to make this move, and that's pretty much it. Right. Imagine if that's flipped, if this is just a CP5 episode about Lauren's force of the game. Suddenly, mm-hmm. then people buy her as a winner contender. And the entire, like, the finale, it's a battleground instead of just, like, even in the finale, freaking Lauren was invisible, basically. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, she was literally like UTR until the fire making part. And then she just looked like a loser. Like she looked like, like, like honestly, like pathetic. Like it was, I think, a terrible handling of Lauren the entire season, especially in the finale. Hmm. Which I get, they were mad at her for not doing the fire. I kind of get it, but that does not excuse the thirty other days they added it to make yeah. her look just like a nothing presence. Hmm. Um, in this season, at the end here, we also kind of get from from very early on, we get the idea of little leaps of faith, calculated risk being an important part of Survivor. I think this ultimately was Dean's story, where at the end, Dean is swinging for the fences constantly. That, like, as mm. he says, he's a fourth quarter surge guy, right? Um, and I think they actually told that story very, very well. Um, right. The idea of how that can propel your game, because ultimately Dean found himself at the end with too many people that he could not beat. But we were still meant to leave this game respecting and appreciating the game that Dean was able to cobble together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I just 100% agree. I don't have much to say on it. Um, maybe more when we get to Dean and our mm-hmm. person by person thing. But yeah, because I think last episode we talked about how we were expecting Tommy to get this moment where it put his game all together. And I don't know if he got that per se. Like, he didn't. It, it, I was kind of expecting it to sort of become this big thing when he betrays Janet. Maybe you can say a little. And how he is talking to Nora, which it works out for him. But otherwise, eh. it was just Tommy did a lot of like good moves, but I don't think there are risks per se. Yeah, if anything, Tommy like was the anti-risk player. Um, yeah. All the moves we saw him making were reactive. It was when people write down my name or want to write down my name, they'll go home. Mm-hmm. That's a reactive play. That's not like like in all of our aggressive players we saw through the season people like kelly people like missy who are willing to target someone and like make steps to make it happen they did not well like right like their their uh, comeuppance came Mm -hmm. but tommy he played reactively and it's almost like i think that's one thing maybe we missed but i also think that's probably something that they didn't highlight is the negatives of aggressive play right which is probably antithetical to their like they want people making big moves. Yeah, it's almost it's weird to think of this season and how much it sort of bucks what Survivor wants to be, I feel. And the steps editing took to sort of shove those under carpets and be like, no, this is not the Survivor we wanted you to see in yeah. more ways than one. So No, really. I mean, like, we end up with a winner that didn't make a big move. Like in mm-hmm. quote unquote, who mostly reacted to the way like the play, like other people's play, never found an idol, never wanted to meet a necklace. Is he's a, he's a unicorn, right? Like he really is unlike any winner that we had in like twenty years. Mm-hmm. Did Michelle have a big move? Because she at least been... won necklaces, right? Yeah, and I think sort of she had opportunities where she could be played as a sort of bigger player and not necessarily reactive, but. Yeah, like yeah. that's the thing. It's like he is most similar to Michelle. Like he's not, like, even cl- like not even close. More Michelle than Michelle could even be. Right? Like he, <laughs> no, one hundred percent. He's 
the Michelle that people in Reddit comments talk about, who the yeah. jury loved and she had these amazing one-on-one connections with everybody. She's he got the edit that Michelle got in hindsight. You know what I mean? Like yeah, how people talk about her, like why she beat Aubrey, why the why things worked that way, and how like really she was what more brilliant than she seemed. I, I've never completely bought that argument, but we saw it here with Tommy. Of well, he didn't have to make those big moves, and I think that's something that is just like very fascinating to me. Is like those two winners, especially like Tommy Michelle, standing out is just like so you can still win by being a nice. Mm-hmm. friendly person kind of thing. right and i think maybe they did learn a lesson by sort of if dean is the aubrey here the changes they made and it's partially just of what dean was in the game but also i think downplaying this person who had some good moves had a ton of like good places but i think the way they did it no one was really just so gung-ho for a dean win except I mean, me except my well, twitter yeah, feed like, yeah, but like the big fan base wasn't like, yes, this person so much, so many moves, so much gameplay. There just were not enough moments from Dean to yeah. put that together. Yeah, Dean was the like Rudy, like the football movie where it's like, or like Rocky Balboa, where it's like he tries everything he can. Uh, but at the end of the day, the guy who did it from the start is better than the guy who had a late game surge, no matter how much he believed in himself and how much he tried. Dean just wasn't enough to stack up to Tommy. And then there was a honestly well-told story. Like, I think they did a good job all around there. Um, mm-hmm. I do disagree on Dean being the Aubrey. I think they actually took the lesson from Korong that Lauren is her Aubrey. And instead of emphasizing how great Aubrey is, they gave her nothing. I think that's actually where you can see this comparison like i think yeah you know what i mean i think aubrey fits the lauren mold and they just chose to really downplay her instead of having the audience be like wait what aubrey lost to michelle yeah right yeah i guess i'm saying when they're both they're sort of at the final tribal council and they both have these sort of very different gameplays that i think both are deserving of votes and the win it's sort of how they present it so we are definitely 100 percent okay-ish with a tommy win yep absolutely yeah, i do see i also see the lauren aubrey comparison but lauren is almost just like what if aubrey didn't make it to that end mm-hmm. yeah yeah what if what if aubrey lost to like a dumb i guess aubrey did fire making so like what if aubrey yeah, lost the fire making yeah. <laughs> as I, yeah honestly you could probably compare lauren a lot to sydney too i mean in terms of like almost be, like clearly being a winner contender but not getting the edit treatment she deserved Mm-hmm. it's probably a fair uh com- combination there um yeah i yeah. guess another theme that kind of rose to prominence here is the idea of information being power we touched on this earlier as being a theme but we kind of put on the back burner after tommy helped lauren find the idol in episode like 10 or whatever mm-hmm. but i mean tommy was throwing daggers here at the end basically that summed up his game, right? Is yeah. he didn't need the idols. He knew where they were. That's more powerful. Yeah. And maybe maybe Survivor just has a hard time presenting this well throughout the season. Because I was thinking, oh, this was sort of the highlight of Triple H. Was that Ben had all this information and no one could keep a secret. But I guess you did get elements of people just telling everyone what they had here here they almost went look at all these instances where having an idol was a net bad yes and they never sort of played the other side as well as they could yeah i mean the what the only good idol play was karishma right like right was there even any 
Well, Dean. Yeah, played, true, 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 Dean. But Dean played Kelly's idol and then voted out Kelly. So yeah, so I, I if you're looking <laughs> at it as Kelly's idol, I wouldn't say as a fa- I still stand by that was a good move, but I understand. Uh, obviously, results didn't work that way. Uh, <laughs> hashtag Kelly is queen. But yeah, no, I mean from like episode two, people are like, wait, this is weird. I guess not episode two, but like maybe four. Idols are getting edited really negatively or neutrally this season. And that's something mm-hmm. to pay attention to. Clearly, we should have been. I mean, I guess we kind of were on the idea of like few idols will get played, probably. I don't think I could have expected that the winner would have none. I thought it would be a reversal of fortune. Like the winner ends up being the one person to play the idol correctly, the one person who's able to make edge of or the island of the idols work for them yeah i think that's part part of why you saw the support rise around krishma after she did it yes oh this is what we've been waiting for i 100 get that i guess i just was open the possibility of it being in the finale but it turns out the joke was on us all along and it was just oh there's nothing Mm -hmm. because i was really wrapped up in the idea that tommy would fire make like i really thought he was gonna take lauren out oh right yeah and so to me that was the move you know what i mean he's like well i don't need an idol but i won this necklace and now i'm gonna fight and fire i thought they were gonna edit that way but no he does something even more brilliant in my opinion yeah and i guess the the sort of other major theme here being the social theme of social factors limiting people's upwards trajectory and complicating a social game we kind of got some lip service here at the end of it um especially with just like the i mean especially the reunion um mm-hmm. had an entire segment devoted to it but we even got kind of tommy having an answer for like the people who left in the makeup of the final three right like there was a lot of attention brought onto the idea of like this is the three like this is three white people three young white people um and a very diverse cast here sitting at the end yeah it's a tragic theme like it clearly was an apology Mm -hmm. um but it's one that i i guess to me i know a lot of people have targeted the season and said like why specifically why throw in the line of sandra saying there's going to be a female winner if the one female in the end got no votes and the two straight white guys got the votes which i mean i can't say if they've all been straight i don't think so um but this is the fifth season in a row in which I believe two men have split the votes at tribal council while a third woman doesn't get any votes. Yes. And it's just like, I think the reason Survivor is putting this in is that they see it's an, like, like I said on previous episodes, they see it's an issue. They want to do some sort of due diligence towards it. And maybe they haven't figured out the right way, but they're, they're trying to say these things are important and we wish it was going another way too, but Mm. yet again, it has happened. So, and I mean, like when you really think about it, what is the solution? The solution is stuff like rigging, which is worse, right? Like, um, unfortunately survivor is a reflection of society and society isn't fair to men and women. It really isn't. Um, so yeah, men are going to have an advantage, unfortunately, because the world's unfair. Um, that's not an apology for it, but that is kind of why. And I do think you can't hold Survivor accountable too much for throwing in the women are going to win idea just because I think the alternative is them giving less credit to the amazing women they casted in this season. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's not Survivor can't like solve the problem of this being the end game 
for five seasons in a row. Like, I, we had a cast of strong women who all, I think, well, most of which I can't, all of them were great. And they didn't make it to the end, too. It's just, I can't rig it for, like, I don't know. It's just hard to concretize my thoughts around this. But, yeah, Survivor can't solve that problem. So they need to do what they can in how they tell the story throughout. And I think they're trying to show these people are great, too. Just things didn't work out. And things continue to not work out. And, hey, maybe that's not great. But this is Survivor. It is as much as it can be a fair game. And we're not mm-hmm. going to stop that. To- yeah, I don't want my survivor to be rigged. Yeah. Like straight up like that. I would stop watching them if that happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if the next 10 season winners are female, that's not a correction. Um, clearly, there's problems with the way it's set up. And that's understandable. Um, but at the end of the day, the editors are trying here in my opinion, to highlight, like, I think this is maybe the greatest female cast of all time. Like, Mm. it's outstanding. Every single girl that they cast here in this season was literally, like, a nine or above, in my opinion, of character delivery. Even, like, Molly Chelsea, I think the edit underserved them. Right. But after that, you're left with Kelly, Missy, Karishma, Elaine, Nora, Lauren, Janet. Like, Mm -hmm. amazing like best characters, like fantastic people. Like they cast amazing people and they chose to edit them in a positive, powerful way. Yeah. Sure. That looks like a girl winner, but it also looks like editing your, like your female characters well and like confidently. And mm-hmm. they actually did that. I feel like we'll talk, we later in the episode, we're going to talk about the best edits, but like, I think all of them were female. And that's what I take away from this season is the season really did have a female power theme was look at how good our females were not the female wins Mm -hmm. right and yeah sandra's line ended up not being true but it was about janet's longevity and what an amazing person she was and all Mm. that so and stuff like that you always gotta be careful like they're most of the time they're not just going to telegraph things and say this is what's going to happen so i think when with that line happened and when we remarked on it i was like it's almost so so absolute that it's hard to take it one way or the other yeah this is like if honestly if this was like seven females in the final seven or something maybe it earns that you know what i mean but like we literally like you flash back to worlds apart and you get the someone on this mat's gonna win the game that wasn't as telegraphed as this you know what i mean Mm. like it would have been too cute it would have been so in your face and ultimately the theme was not why a girl won it was why these amazing women didn't win and it's the unfairness in society and i think that's something that they really masterfully told here and i mean jeff probes i think the last theme i kind of want to touch on here before we move on to the individual people jeff probes paid uh kind of an like um lip service to an idea we were pushing on the podcast which is the women's alliance from episode one all the way through the pre-merge was there as an antagonist and almost to show you well look it's sexist when people are just scared of a women's alliance for no reason um and kind of the struggles that women have to face here on the game of survivor that men don't have to that's the story that they were telling it wasn't look at this woman alliance domination it was a woman's alliance that votes out their own at like the first chance they get um complicates the game and kind of 
screws it over for all of them right Mm -hmm. yeah just a general idea of women having to deal with much more in the game i feel like you get so much more of how each woman is playing the game as opposed to just the men like they seem to i know a lot of them go early but they almost just sort of fall by the wayside like tom goes and jason goes and like you get moments like jamal and jack but Ultimately, it's nowhere near as strong as like um, Kelly's moments, Karishma's moments, Jana, Elaine. Mm-hmm. And so. even the like Chelsea who leaves early has an idol, right? Like she's somewhat mm-hmm. edited as a powerful figure in the game. You know what I mean? Like they, this was an ode. This whole season was an ode to the powerful females that they casted on the season. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to go away just because Sandra said a girl's going to win the game. Like, right. I think that's unfair because the casting and everything hit it out of the park here and really, really did delivered a fantastic female cast. Mm-hmm. It's just the winner got lost in the stupid fire making challenge. Like, <laughs> like that's what it is. Yeah. I guess in a regular game, she probably gets voted out like four, three, one, but, but still, I think it's like, yeah, a woman didn't win. And, but I think, the woman as a whole triumphed. Yes. That's an amazing way to put it, right? Because it's not like we were at the end of the game and all the women were drawing dead like we've seen in some seasons, right? Like right. Ghost Island, Laurel. Um, Was it Aurora or was it the other one? It was Angela. Angela. Right? Aurora <laughs> and Angela are both just drawing dead. Like, that's your female cast there, right? Mm. Like, it's just, it's not the same. Like, Lauren and Janet would have won. So we were in an end game with multiple female winner contenders that's what we ultimately want because the end game is like it's not super complicated the scariest people usually leave Mm -hmm. that's what happened it's good that like at the final four lauren's getting voted out for being too much of a winner contender and not she's a goat like we've been getting over and over again repeatedly right to me that's a sign of progress Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it was so nice even if they got voted out to see Janet and Lauren as like these gigantic threats. Mm. Like I said, Tommy way down on that totem pole. And yeah, it's just great to see like Janet, Lauren, Elaine, like just a string of like people who are actually big players. Absolutely. Mm. And I'm glad that even in the jury, that's what they were focusing on. You know what I mean? Like we got Kelly, we got Elaine, we got all these people reminded to us that they thought about the game more than anything else. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. Like, I thought mostly this season was really, really good with some, in my opinion, the season had, like, really low negatives, but, like, the average was so high. Yeah, for sure. Anything else on the long-term stories before we move on? I don't think so. Perfect. So, this is our last discussion of the Lumu Waku tribe. We'll start here. I guess they transformed into Island of the Idols tribe, but... True, yeah, I guess, yeah, the, the tribe of the Island of the Idols. Um... I how did you feel about that by the way? I think it well, we didn't even talk about how nice it was to see this idol search that was like based on clues and stuff. It's like, yes, give me an island of the idols escape room puzzle to find the idol. Every season, every episode. Just that's just more fun. Like mm-hmm. than the sort of roulette of like everyone searching, but who's going to stumble across it first? Absolutely. It's not even close. It's like, that's what's fun. You know what I mean? Like Mm -mm. it is fun to see people work through problems, not walk up and see a blue thing, not Nora yell blue, 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 blue until (laughs) they see blue. Right. So 
Yeah, I thought it was nice and it made sure everyone was exposed to Rob and Sandra before they left, which I don't get why they left and weren't at the other tribal councils, but... (laughs) Yeah, that was, like, insane to me. Like, we thought they were gonna vote on the jury and stuff. Or have, like, some sort of say. Yeah, I thought they would at least lead the file tribal or something Mm -hmm. and they just leave like they're gone i was stunned so weird like i can't like i I have no idea why they left like i guess i don't know i I don't even have a possible explanation for why they decided to. like they should have (laughs) stayed maybe they're just like ah tommy's winning anyway Like, who cares? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll start here with Janet, who we've talked about a little bit here, but in this episode, she was sort of our actually, you know what? I was gonna say she was our underdog, but in this episode she was not. Like she was edited in a strange way in the finale. Yeah, she was almost like, I'm winning this and there's nothing that can stop me. Yeah, she was almost positioned as an antagonist, like to Dean. Mm-hmm. Because Dean gets this huge hero pop, right? Like, he comes out of here looking like a million bucks. And then, well, Janet's his adversary because he has the thing to take her out. And we get this, like, her story is, I would have won. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to win. Like, I'm going to play my idol. I'm going to make fire. And I've made it here and I'm going to win. And yeah, then it wasn't that. Which, and we already knew it wasn't that. <laughs> okay, I because they did this weird like uh, Lauren as the decoy boot, where it's almost like is Dean chaotic enough that he's not going to play his idol nullifier? It's like mm, I'm here for it, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Do you actually buy that? Like, it's a weird question. Is like, was I buying it, and was I desperately wishing and hoping for it to be true? Because that could have been like, I guess there is a possibility, right? Where it's that's ultimately the failing of the season is they didn't take Janet out, but it's not not what we were left with. Um, <laughs> ultimately, I think Janet being positioned as a semi antagonist, but not negatively, was right. Maybe an okay choice because they telegraphed it the week before mm-hmm. uh, her departure. But it was kind of underwhelming having it almost like bitter Janet. Bitter? In what way? Like, like, her final words were like, well, who even, like, who needs an idol? You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, our goodbye to Janet was like, kind of awkward. Like, she was, yeah, it was, she was just so like, torn up by it. Like, yeah, it was weird, but I don't know. Like, I guess that's the way it happened. Yeah, I mean, because, like, really, like, she was our winner. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if all things happen naturally without the Idol Nullifier, like, she more or less wins. I guess she um, probably leaves at six. Yeah, I think Yeah, you have to wonder if, like, if there's no Idol Nullifier, yes, she wins. And maybe she doesn't make fire. I think fire is sort of more, uh, more of a chance than we often chalk it up to. But yeah, I think if Dan doesn't go, she could leave at six. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the thing is, it's like this double-edged sword, right? Where it's so sad seeing Janet go, but at the same time, she probably goes if they don't take out the terrible person, and then the terrible person gets a hundred thousand bucks from Survivor. Right. It's just like Janet almost has this weird asterisk of fifth place, like, mm-hmm. but. Uh, maybe i don't know she could be six she could be first it's we don't know what would have actually happened exactly uh that being said amazing character yes top class my number one for the season like no way 
<laughs> I'm sorry. No, like, okay, Janet's fine. Like, Janet in this season provided a really entertaining role as the one who was willing to stand up against what's wrong, right? But other than that, like, <laughs> I think she was interesting via circumstance less than how she actually was. And, like, like her edit, in my opinion, was very bad, mostly out of, like, they show her she's the greatest person of all time, and then she's nothing. The greatest person of all time, and then she's nothing. Nah, I don't think it's that. I mean, we've talked about this already, and I should say, we obviously don't have similar <laughs> opinions on who are great characters. I just think, like, it was just so so positive, such a journey. I don't know. It's a great character for this season, I feel. I, I will agree with that. She is a great character. To me, she's... It's just that this cast is so good. She, like, she's not better than Kelly. Like, uh, Kelly was amazing. Um, I, maybe I, she's, like, too far in my rear view, but I don't know. Kelly's not. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what merge boot isn't good enough for you, Joe? Um, I respect all the pre-mergers and j- jurors on like uh, Joseph here. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, to me, Janet really works as a character. Um, like definitely one of the best, probably the best in her archetype where she like, I love that. Janet was the one who was standing up. You know what I mean? Like normally that's yeah. not what you'd expect, right? Like like the whole like okay boomer movement. Like you wouldn't expect Janet to be the one to stand up with the like like you know what I mean? Like it's just it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Like Janet's just, clearly an amazing person and a, a pretty good player too. Oh yeah, like amazing player, I would almost say. Like in a good spot until she wasn't, and then she was in a good spot the next episode and like would have won. Like yeah. I think she was a bigger threat than Lauren. Than Lauren? I think Janet beats Lauren in a final tribal council. I think it's really tough to tell because Dean was so scared of Lauren, even with knowing that Janet would win fire. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. Dean's perspective, right? So it's it is hard to tell. I would say that they're pretty comparable threats anyway mm-hmm. so that's yeah. something just yeah just an amazing character throughout amazing player now i will say this i'll flip it and say favorite character janet i really don't want to see her back for another season no i feel like it like a lot of people are so excited for this and i get it because like the essence of janet is just so nice and i would love to see that back on my screen but like i think janet as a player most paths lead to like a worsening of her legacy yes like she either goes out early or she is like weirdly portrayed negatively somehow or like not underutilized or like all sorts of things i mean the thing is take away the like literally if you take away the entire controversial aspect of the season take away dan being a creep janet is like a competent but boring player right like she is a compromise vote player she's a well let's all work that's pagong like that's how she is right like she folds into the background and people really like her so that's how she wins she was interesting and she was fun and she was a lovely character that at many points i was rooting on Mm -hmm. because of circumstance not because she's inherently this fireball of charisma and entertainment value she isn't she's a competent player that in this one managed to be like a paragon of goodness but not all seasons for not all moments force people to decide between being a righteous moral person and winning a game 
most survivor seasons have nothing that touch on this level that wouldn't give you as much like standpoints for her. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. Is that most other seasons and most other results like that don't that doesn't work to make Janet so great. I think when people want Janet back to the play another season, they want Janet to win that season. Yes, because I think if she doesn't like she's like just not she doesn't slot in you're right in that she has like good moments but i think if she's not in the right situation or stuff she can't really carry the same way she did here yeah like she's uh what's richard jewel right like the security guard save the (laughs) like the um like the bomb explosion right like she's the regular person who's called to action in a really important moment and she pays it off right um, I, th- I thought you were talking about how Paul Walter Hauser couldn't carry the film, so it bombed at the box office. <laughs> no, I mean the actual security guard, right? Like okay. a regular person. Like Janet is a cool regular person, mm-hmm. but that's she's not like she's not this television gold. She's in the she's John McClane. You know what I mean? She's like diehard, like <laughs> a regular person because of extreme circumstances called to action. And she delivers, but all the Die Hard sequels suck. All the Janet sequels would suck. <laughs> that doesn't make Janet 1.0 bad. That doesn't make Die Hard bad. It just means that you don't need more of it. Like, yeah. She, all the circumstances, all the stars align to a perfect Janet story. Yeah, it's like, I'm sure if I spent more time on it, I can think of like other characters like Janet. Like Shireen for me. Like Shireen was great in Worlds Apart for what she was. She like flops in Cambodia and it's like, who remembers her? Yeah, I think or another like- good example is Kelly Wigglesworth in that same season. Like, she's so good in the first season because it's the first time you've explored human beings on an island before. Mm-hmm. And then you come to find out she's just really not that interesting. Um, or, like, imagine Aaron Lobdell on a second season. Yeah. Like, if Aaron is not in that specific trajectory of token genes, like, it's probably not as great. That's the thing. Like, some people do have, like, no matter what, when they talk, you listen. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Janet, I don't think Aaron, like, these are people who had amazing arcs, but they're that doesn't mean they're, like, you know what I mean? Like, it is different. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing to think about season 40 with all these winners, like, who do I actually like not want to see? I mean, just generally, but also in a season where they're not going to be the winner. That's the thing, right? Like this is something that I'm sure I'm sure we'll do a winners season podcast, but the idea that this whole podcast is based on the idea that the winner is edited differently than they would normally be edited if they didn't win, right? Like that's a core value of this podcast. Yeah. Means a lot of these winners, if they didn't win, would probably be invisible, boring, or people that you dislike. Um, like, are you just ready for these people, like these women who already had like under the radar edits to be like completely invisible? As yeah. Winners? Like, is Get that something excited. we want to see? Winners at war. Sophie invisible. Like, and it's like, if Sophie's not invisible, like, is she winning? Like, it's, that's the thing. This is a weird spot to get into that speculation. But it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> I guess the thing is, sometimes the like christmas cake your grandma makes is really special because that the the christmas lights and everything are beautiful uh but the christmas cake's not as good as you were wasn't actually as good as you remember it being because the circumstance wasn't as magical mm-hmm. right you know um like, that's why everyone loves their grandma's like pizza or whatever but like you know maybe they didn't have the best pizza in the world mm-hmm. anyways sure. let's move here to lauren um 
I think, like I said earlier, Lauren's edit is a failure of the edit. I think this is the one thing I can't forgive them for. I, I'm very high on this season. Lauren not being edited as a very strong player, for the most part, I think is a travesty. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's just irreconcilable. Lauren is... I rank Lauren highly as a character because I know she was great, but it's almost the edit doesn't. It just is so much less than what I know she was. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess my weird hot take here is I know the entire internet is calling for Janet to come back. No. Bring Lauren back. Bring Lauren back. Right? Like, that's the real thing is she actually was interesting. She made big moves. She's a great confessionalist. She's interesting despite them like not wanting us to care about her at all trying actively to undermine her doing everything they can to make us not care we still cared we still come out leaving loving her yeah like lauren is the person on a second season it feels like it can only go up Mm -hmm. like like it's almost like weirdly like kelly wentworth ish where it's like i guess you could see potential in san juan del sur but like what if she is a fourth place boot? And what does that look like? And she's this big player. Like, Lauren is somehow fourth, but there's still so much to see. Yeah. Like, what if, what if she's not in a position where she has to be this, like, kind of beta where she's obviously the alpha and she's just making more interesting moves? Like, Yeah, I think ultimately her edit here was a... I think you put this beautifully when we were talking a, a, couple, a little bit before this podcast of... She is a failure of the editors to figure out what to do with a Firemaker loser. At the end of the day, everything here with her edit is informed by scared to edit the best player the best when they lose in fire. Yeah, it's just they've added this twist to be like, those fourth place boots who are so tragic, we're going to save them through fire. And then multiple times now, it's just like, oh, but that person actually loses fire. And they can't, like, figure this out. Like, it's okay for them to be great and still go and forth. Like, Yes. A fundamental value of Survivor, what makes it great, is that someone you like or hate, theoretically, if it's a good season, someone you love or hate dies at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. That's what makes this show good, is that someone that you have investment towards fire represents your life they die every episode that's the beautiful part about survivor the survivor audience is okay with beautiful powerful players losing mm-hmm. it just sucks when they instead choose to edit her like a second rate player when then they tell us she's actually a first rate player she's totally gonna win but we don't even know where her job is yeah and like she's obviously second rate right like the episodes leading up to this like i don't get that lauren is like like there's just so much dissonance in the edit here that they tried too hard to make it all work together when they should have just let it like let these characters be and and i think that's what made some really amazing characters is just who they were and nora then, is just nora right like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a good example right so many of these characters they let them be and then Lauren, they edited and manipulated her to be worse. Yeah. And then on the flip side, they did Tommy to be better. And if you just did them naturally, yeah. if you make Lauren the threat, the winner contender, and Tommy second, this is a better season. Yeah. It's almost like I would say don't manipulate people's edits so they're worse. Yes. Like, I Unless they're the bad guy. Like, the villains, sure. But yeah. I don't know. It's just like. 
Lauren almost, and I have issues with Dean's edit too. I think it works more than the more I think about it, but like sort of artificially handicapping these edits sort of makes us ask more questions, makes us feel more unsatisfied. Yes. And I think if they just sort of let them go, like that's what I'm here for. Like, yes, Survivor has become a more strategic game and I need to see that, but also I'm here to see these people interact and be who they are. So like, don't like, don't make people <laughs> worse. That's just bizarre. I mean, imagine the alternate universe where Lauren is edited as Tommy. She is our obvious winner from day one. You know what I mean? Like the internet is groaning like, why aren't people just taking out Lauren? She's clearly the best player. Um, She's got the best edit, all this stuff, right? All the mm. stuff that Tommy's getting. And then you have Tommy in the episode before the finale say, I don't want to bring her to the end, but I want her to think I'm bringing her to the end. I'm going to slit her throat. Mm -hmm. Guess what you get? Huge fanfare for Tommy. Yeah, and I don't think, like, Tommy's not a hard winner to edit anyway. Like, no, I think he's very palatable to everyone. And yet, you had to, like, undercut, like, the person who was better than him at the game just to, like, make it okay. It's very weird. Very disappointed. That That's Lauren the thing is, not. like, people want, ultimately, I think... They're like, that's why they wanted Janet to win because she stood up against, like, I mean, that was more complicated because it was an actual social horrible problem. But like, mm. if you, if you edit, Lauren is like capable but villainous, capable, but you, you don't want her to win because she's the obvious outcome. Yeah. Tommy becomes more palatable, right? Like, Tommy mm. becomes, oh my God, he's well, he's the one person willing to take her down and he does, she doesn't see her coming. Mm. It'd be beautiful, right? Like, that's amazing story. And instead, yeah. they just, from episode one told us, you know, Tommy's just the greatest person to ever exist. And, you know, he yeah. loves his teacher um, from grade five. So he became a grade five teacher. Um, he's so wholesome. And he's really good at the game, too. And you don't have to care about this Lauren girl too much. Like, yeah. Like, oh, she lost in another episode, but we promise. Like, she's not. Don't worry about her. She's not really that important. Like, I don't know how many times, like, movies and Survivor and everything have to wrestle with the idea that people don't like perfect characters. People don't like characters who people don't like, like people don't like when people are better than them. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. Tommy was edited like a perfect human being with no problems. If you just gave that to Lauren instead, or you gave some of it to Lauren, some credit, then there's yeah. a debate. There's a question. If you're more like Lauren, if you're more like Tommy, maybe there's a question of which one you are, but we don't get that. We just get Tommy's the best. Tommy's perfect. And then you get like annotated with the idea that Tommy's perfect. So you get annoyed. Like, well, he can't possibly be perfect. Yeah. And then people get annoyed and they start looking for flaws. And that's what you end up getting is a fan base unhappy with a pretty good winner. Right. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. So to me, Lauren's edit is the ultimate failure of this season. But on the flip side, we have here Nora, who... Uh, which, like... Amazing people, people love flawed characters. Like, the Nora story. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if anyone gives Janet a run for their money as best character for me, it's Nora. Like, 100%. Like, we got so many different tacks and takes from Nora. Like, in this episode, in this finale, she started, like, having a crush on Dean. She threatened to take all the machetes away from Lauren. Like, this is insane. Like, such a good character. And they just let her be who she was. And it was amazing. No, I 100% agree with that. Like, I think one thing that's beautiful about is in episode one, we get Nora say, Jason, the guy that's on the ropes, in danger, 
reminds me a lot of my ex-boyfriend. And that is the moment that you never expect to be brilliant because flash to the finale. We have now Lauren comparing Dean to her ex-boyfriend and that <laughs> actually informing the strategic game. Brilliant long-term storytelling where you learn everything you need to learn about Nora in episode one and episode one, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not this huge character study, but you learn she's kind of kooky and she has this romance complex that they never bring back <laughs> until the finale. Obviously in between yet all kinds of fun character moments between Nora, you learn that Nora is complicated. Nora is somebody who will boss people around, but actually care about the betterment of the tribe. Yeah. And so you get this really nuanced character where she's, kooky and weird but a good person and so you're left to love her like the no dancing moment was amazing i think that episode was so good with jason and nora being this like ragtag group of characters that shouldn't work together but do nora's in your end game amazing and she's dancing i mean it's a great book end because she wins the final immunity and she's dancing, which is sort of her downfall is that it just, even if she wins this, it's never going to work out for her. But no, no dancing. You can appreciate who Nora was and how she played the game even. Yeah. And like Jason literally warns her, hey, you don't dance because it tells people that you're in control. And then at the end of the game, she's bragging about being in control. And that's in part her downfall mm-hmm. I, I mean obviously it probably no matter what happens at the end of that game she probably gets no votes yeah. but we were told the story told which i'm fine with them divorcing reality from the story it was like her overconfidence gets the better of her no mm-hmm. dancing she failed that role she lost yeah just i think this season had a really great relationship with nora where they presented her and they were also very frank and like maybe this person isn't going to win but at least you get to enjoy her for all she's worth and yes please do we know this is a great character so enjoy yeah like even in episode 13 we get her being like elaine saying nora's special like nora is someone to love you know what i mean like she's these positive amazing qualities that no one else has and that's something you should celebrate also i want her out separately but um (laughs) like that's an amazing thing right like usually this character is the the laughing stock you know what i mean there it's debbie and we're laughing at her for having so many jobs and being weird but there was a like there's an empathy with nora that i yeah. think they really did an amazing job of mm-hmm. uh, obviously but, it's sad that she got zero votes yeah but i felt like she got zero votes with like her head held high kind of thing like she made oh, yeah. that was her goal you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i loved she had a Rob has a podcast interview where she basically said like, you know what? People just don't want to vote for a good person. You know what I mean? Someone who says I was a good person and so by my- stuck by my values game. Right. And that's also kind of her edit, right? Is like in the Dan horrible merge episode, Nora is also standing up for morality, but mm-hmm. that, that's just not what people care about at the jury anymore, which I'm fine with that being the story. Right. They valued the strategic game over morality, which is fine. That's the story that they told. Um, But Nora gets kind of had her head held high. Mm -hmm. And that's okay, too. Like, it's okay Mm -hmm. to be a Nora. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, she gets her 75 grand and all that. Like, like Nora probably, no matter what, was never winning against anybody on the cast. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately. But that's how it is. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, preseason, we talked about how, like, in her little Twitter video, Jeff talks about her and is like, yeah, I don't really have high hopes for Nora. 
but like i don't know she's she's something and she delivered wasn't that true like we got so much more than we could have asked for like yeah went from early boot to like pre-merge boot to uh <laughs> losing finalist of our dreams my question to you joe do you want to see nor 2.0 like she's between Janet and Lauren. Like I don't want to see Janet. I do want to Nora. Like sure. I mean, it's probably going to be a lot of the same. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. Like I'd love to see more of this, but I don't know. It's just I yeah. I don't think enough. anybody in her archetype has been super interesting on the second time. Like Debbie yeah. was way less fun. Like even like she's like Sue Hawk. You know what I mean? Like Sue Hawk. I mean, it wasn't her fault. She was super. It wasn't super interesting in All Stars, but like. A lot of these people are just like, they're not the same on the second to go. Right. Even coach. Yeah. And it's almost as Nora, like part of coming back is I think you want to win. And like, I just, I I can't see the path for Nora. I think now that the season is done and dusted, it's just like, what worlds does Nora win in? Yeah. Like Nora has another good shot at winning at 75 grand, but (laughs) probably not a million. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's uh, something probably. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm probably negative on Nora coming back for the same reason. Just of we've seen the kooky character. Even F- I mean, Philip was interesting on the second go. I think I think it was more interesting on the second go. Mm-hmm. But I think Nora probably fits more in the Debbie mold. Debbie was f- fun on Game Changers, but mm, it's hard to know what, where to blame the season versus the character. Mm-hmm. Like Debbie did have fun moments. Like the, I hate you, Brad Culpepper stuff was fun, but she ha- ultimately where's their story go? Like we learned this kooky character is able more than we could have possibly imagined. But after that, what's the story? Yeah. It's such a great picture of Nora that was presented here that it's like, where does she go from here? Mm. It's almost like the second we need like Nora, like game bot ready to play the game and win. Like, yeah, which is what we got with Philip, right? Like Philip's like, I used to be kooky. Now I'm informed by Boston Rob's rules and I will play optimally. Like it's almost what you need. Same serial scene, kind of thing, like a similar comedy character turned serious. But yeah, there is, it- I don't know. I think there is a diametric problem with ultimately. I think the best returnees are people who didn't get their due in their first season. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and Nora did. So that's why Lauren's a better returnee. Yeah. Inherently, you want your favorite characters to come back instead. It's it's an interesting question, right? Like, I think the best returnees ever have been, like, Parvati was not a big character in Cook Islands. Absolutely, yeah. Kelly Wentworth was not a big character in San Juan del Sur. The best <laughs> ones are the ones who weren't. Yeah. Because their story's already told. Like, like, what are they afterwards? Is Did Nora grow? No. So, to me, I'm not super high on return. Mm-hmm. I agree. Next up, Dean. Yep. Her her love interest. Yeah, her boyfriend. Although, wait, isn't Dean dating someone else? Um, Not Chelsea. I don't know. This he season- was dating Kelly's friend. Yeah. This season has Jack and Elizabeth, so, like, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Dean, what? Another journey. Like, remember the early days of Dean when he was invisible? Yeah. We just couldn't. Who like- would have thought? Like... Dean is our losing finalist yeah, from episode one. Point. Yeah. Getting like, votes. Second place and not like a loser. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he was like he leaves looking like a winner. He looks looking like he could have won. Mm-hmm. Like he was actually in there with a chance. I never would have expected that after episode one, after episode two, after episode three. Right. My hot take here is that Dean's edit was 
fantastic. I think we got the slow on, I like episode three when he got the let's split the vote thing. I made the kind of semi jokey, semi serious idea that, well, what if they thought this was just a really funny way to edit someone? I think that's what we got. You know what I mean? Like, I think we saw them be like the funny the best way to edit this person is starting with a joke starting with let's put the votes in front of everybody Mm -hmm. and slowly build him from there have him have his goofy moments have him have his moments of failure but you know what he's still a guy who's thinking about the game and he's smarter than people think he's better than people think and you're gonna root for him by the end brilliant storytelling in my opinion yeah I think I I don't know Dean is a tricky one where I've come more to terms with it after the season has ended I think initially I'm like, if we can't have Lauren as a good winner contender, like, why didn't you build up Dean like mm-hmm. from the start? Because I think that would have been a very interesting, like, race to the end. Because they come from, they're never on the same tribe pre-merge, and they're still sort of, I mean, they come together at merge, but just interesting to see those paths get to the end, all that. But yeah, I think in a way, Dean's was also that sort of edit in like a more compressed version. We saw Tommy consistent from end to end. Dean was this sort of nothing, 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 little bits, and then just full speed in these final few episodes. Yeah. And that's uh, that's interesting in its own right, for sure. To me, this opens the door for someone like Dean winning one day. Mm-hmm. I would have loved if Dean had beat Tommy in the end. Oh, yeah. I think that would have been, like, you flash back to Nicaragua, and the story of Fabio is, he was stupid, but he was smarter than people thought, so that's why he won. And in my opinion, that was a very poorly told story. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it was kind of heavy-handed and failed to actually explain why he won. Dean fits that mold of what they told us Fabio was, where it's, he's an idiot, theoretically, where he makes these dumb like absent-minded mistakes continuously. He's Inspector Gadget. But Inspector Gadget is the hero hero of Inspector Gadget. You want mm-hmm. him to do well despite his clumsiness, despite his um like aloofness. Dean was competent but aloof. He got the job done, but the reasoning maybe was lacking. Or at the end of the season, as we're shown, maybe he's more brilliant than we even let on. Maybe everything you viewed from the start has been kind of wrong it's from everybody else's perspective but dean has more thoughts going on than people could have anticipated Mm -hmm. and that's what makes him a threat i love that they went this way i think that was brilliant Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's definitely very interesting to see it feels unlike stuff we've seen before yeah like people have been kind of pining for the idea of the andy cough survivor player right like the Philip Shepard who at the end of redemption island says by the way my my name is mike thomas and I'm not as kooky as I seem. This was a business trip for me. I played this character, Philip Shepard, and I actually was here to win. People have been calling for that forever. I think Dean's the first character who actually kind of nailed that. Like, I I acted stupid, but I wasn't. And got Mm. to the end. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And, like, I love that he did... They did rope him into the themes of the season at the end of the day. Um, it almost had me convinced that he could win, but at the end of the day, I was like, oh, Tommy's, he's battling against Lauren, not Tommy. Oh, yeah. That's what made me convinced Tommy wins. Cause I thought there was a chance he beats Tommy in fire making. Like he inherits Tommy's edit, but when it was against Lauren, I was like, oh, hmm. never mind. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's Dean. Mm-hmm. I should say there is a post on the Edgex subreddit. I don't have the title in front of me, but it's like uh, talking about Dean's like comprehensive edit from the start. I know it informed a lot of, I think, what we're saying here. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a great post. Um, I believe it's by Mail Me Your Feet. Great username. But yeah, Yeah. go ahead and check that out. Because I think Dean, Dean definitely was someone I started out hating. I was like, I hate this character. But I think he's my favorite male from this cast at the end of the day. And it's like not even like who's close. (laughs) To me, it's Dean or Jamal. Jamal. That's true. Ooh. After that, it's probably Tommy, which is Jason. Yeah, Tom. Jason, maybe. But like, but like, there's like, they're not. <laughs> Dean is yeah. like an actual character. Jamal is an actual realized character. So, like, yeah, yeah. So, no, um, yeah. And yeah, you're was, right. Like this post by um, male me guy feet uh, is actually oh. fantastic, right? Um, I really love the idea where it's like episode one establishes to us that he's pretty and attractive and nothing else. He's failing to make these social bonds, which just kind of inform us of the end game, right? Like, mm-hmm. I thought it was shocking that at the end of the day, Kelly is the one that digs into him. Like, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, I thought that was amazing television, to be honest. Like, it gave me goosebumps. Like, these other two, Norris Kooky, Tommy's a game bot. Who are you, Dean? And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm a chill guy. <laughs> that was a really bad answer from mm. Dean. But um, and like the lightning starts going right when he says it, like rain's yeah. pouring. Yeah, that bizarre, like two minute rain that happened. Just on Dean's answers. Like maybe that was rigged. Maybe they were like, <laughs> here is when we need to bring in the rainstorm. And yeah, these poor interns just dumping buckets of water <laughs> on the <laughs> Uh, yeah because it was really one of those like when it rains it pours thing you know what i mean like yeah dean has like the story of dean is he's a competent player and no one sees it but he's finally tasked with the question of answering who he really is and he's unable to give a good answer and it causes a lightning storm Mm -hmm. like i know they didn't edit that but brilliant you know what i mean like He's yeah. finally forced to unmask and he can't do it because he doesn't know who he is. And, so and it also like ends with like Karishma like screaming at him, which is just oh, perfect. Like yeah, yeah, that rivalry was so good. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, this season so good. Like <laughs> I'm I'm I know we're the only people who think it, but the long-term storytelling, everything was so perfect for the most yeah. part. It'll be inter- just, interesting to see its legacy. Mm-hmm. Like, it comes at a, like, weird point right before All Winners. Obviously has things going against it. But I feel like this is one where people be like, I mean, there's a lot of, like, good episodes and good characters. Yep. And- My hot take is that a hot take in, like, 2022 <laughs> is going to be that Island Idols is actually a good season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, right now, no one thinks it. You know what I mean? But, like... I think that it's going to be one of those seasons that does, like, three years from now, people are going to be like, you know what? This season was awesome. Sure, it was marred by controversy. Sure, there's things that draw it down. But this cast is amazing. And it's fully realized because the edit does a good job. Mm -hmm. This is good Survivor. And by the way, the winner wins without any advantages or anything. It's great. It'll be like Guatemala, and then people will be like, why have not more people returned from... It's sort of like uh, Big Brother 15, and yeah. that it's a really good season, but it just got drugged down by bad stuff happening within it. Exactly. So, 
Like, yeah, my hot take. I mean, this is I don't I don't know how many people who listen to this watch Big Brother. I think Big Brother 15 might be the best Big Brother season, despite the controversy. Like, it's so good despite some horrible people on there. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, but yeah, yeah. Which I guess you can expand into that further. And is like, does like badish things lead to like more of what we're looking for? Exciting television, blah blah blah. We're not here to interrogate that. We have to discuss the winner to this amazing season. Well, to counter that a little bit, oh, I do okay. want to say, like, I do think, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, what informs you about a character, if you're in a screenwriting 101 class, what they tell you is that hard decisions, tough decisions, tell you who a character is at their core values, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a thing to say about our character product on TV being more represented with when there's a really controversial tough decision to make Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like when it's easy you don't learn anything about them which is why tommy's edit to um segue kind of fails he's never forced to make a hard decision Mm -hmm. so we never really know who he is yeah luke skywalker is forced to choose between the light and dark side and you actually see it's possible he chooses the dark side that's what makes a good character that's why people like luke skywalker is he's actually tempted he actually fails at moments um that's where i think tommy's edit fails Mm-hmm. Tommy never fails. Tommy always gets his way and he's always happy about the job handling the aftermath and everything. It's hard to understand. Like, I can't imagine if Survivor 45 has Tommy in it, what that's going to look like. And that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy returning is so bizarre because it's like i don't know how he fits in it's like i don't think he was ever an issue for personal content like we knew he we knew he was a teacher and all that but like i don't really know like who he is as a person i feel like lauren we never knew who she was occupationally but like i got who lauren was Mm -hmm. tommy is like such a cipher almost absolutely he's a cipher for good player Mm -hmm. like good player nice guy yeah um but, like, the other thing is he wasn't even edited as someone like JT, who his story was he was such a good guy, impossibly good guy. Um, you know what I mean? Like, the best of guys. That wasn't right. Tommy. He's like, he's a nice guy. Um, he's normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he eats oatmeal every morning. It's He's relatable content, like hashtag relatable content. <laughs> um, but... Like, who is he? How can you sum him up? He's a teacher, and that's about it. We really don't know that much about how he thinks, which is unfortunate. Right. Like, we know, okay, he, he in Survivor, he's willing to do anything. Survivor, in his real life, he's a good guy. In Survivor, he's a little bit of a bad guy. We never really see him cross the line. We never really see him do anything bad. He's, he's just a nice guy who plays the game. Mm-hmm. It's just like, apparently, he defended Janet at that tribal count, and we never saw it because for some reason the season wanted to be like here is the dan issue in its own little container and here is tommy the winner in its own Mm. container and never shall the two meet yeah like but both are important parts of the season so they need to crisscross absolutely but yeah like tommy hits all the themes I think he was actually a great winner. I actually wish he was on 40. Um because there's no other winner like him on there. Honestly, like in many ways, he's an old school winner, but he's not on there. Like I would have so replaced him with like Nick or something. You know, you know what I mean? Like I would say Ethan is probably like him. Yeah. And there's one of those. There's one Ethan. And Michelle. But and like, Michelle. Michelle was different. Like 
I feel like Michelle is also coming with something to prove. Yes. Whereas Tommy is just very like, I won, and that's it. And <laughs> then I would be back. And I yeah. would have loved to see him on there. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like mm-hmm. we have so many players that were like, they won because of advantages, or they won because like Adam was not David, so he won. Like, mm-hmm. we ha- we don't have many of these dominating modern winners. We really don't. We have underdog winners. We have stuff like that in the 30s but we don't really i mean sarah fits that mold but other than that we don't have like a dominating edited winner in that season and that's unfortunate Mm -hmm. so i would have supported tommy on there other than honestly tommy kind of fits the lauren mold we talked about where i think he could go so many different ways on a returning season that Mm -hmm. i would support the tommy return yeah and especially as a returning it's more likely that he goes earlier which is saying just Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, that's so stupid because he probably isn't going to win. So, and he is going earlier. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah, most people tend Tommy. to not win. <laughs> a pre-merge Tommy is an enticing concept. Yes, I I would support him coming back over a lot of people that frequently end up on second chance lists. Right, which um, like he doesn't need a second chance. I don't know. Ugh, Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Definitely listen to his after interviews. They're so good. I hope he does more because this guy's a Survivor fan. He he really is like one of us. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a Survivor nerd that happened to win and he won in a way that Survivor nerds would want to win. And it sucks that he's getting like roasted. Yeah. And, and it's really because mm-hmm. those two things weren't were also split up. Like Tommy is presented as like all American could be anyone. This is his first experience with Survivor when he's actually like someone who really loves and enjoys mm. the game and yeah that's that's disappointing like that would have been a great connection point for a lot of the people who are having issues with tommy's edit yeah, yeah if anything this makes me think that the super fan edit is actually a bad thing so there's been this discourse in the edge community of is being a super fan personal content and i think this season is the final dagger that says no. no like yeah lauren the only thing we knew about her is that she loves survivor that was enough. Right. We didn't even know if Tommy had seen Survivor before mm-hmm. in this season. You know what I mean? Like, he's a super fan. He posts on Reddit all the time. We didn't yeah. need to know that. Bummer. Yeah. So that's Tommy. Um. So now let's move here. We have this little game here, I guess, of we are going to do the best and the worst. Um. There, you know, there's a lot of countdowns at this time of year. Uh, best songs of the year, best movies of the year, all that kind of stuff. We're going to do the worst three edits each the best three edits each mm-hmm. so let's start here with the worst edits of the season um i'll go first right. i think the worst edit of this season number one is our girl lauren we've talked about this a lot i think it's unforgivable um i think she's on both of our lists yep she would be a nine, my number one too yeah it just it's bad we've talked about that um and ultimately i feel like it, it it's what limits the season from being higher on my overall season because mm-hmm. if we were having the debate every week of is it lauren is it tommy that becomes way more interesting that's that's literally ghost island yeah it's like dominic or wendell like it's at least a choice <laughs> yeah it's something whereas it's like tommy and the checklist as we have this season yeah from like pretty much moment one it's tommy or is it somebody associated with tommy or is it someone against tommy was basically mm-hmm. our discussion from episode one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was about Tommy. So Lauren's edit to me fails. Who's your number two, Joe? Uh, that is tricky. Because I think if I we had to have this discussion, I would have said Dean in a very similar vein to this. Like, I think Dean is someone else who could have been that contender. Um, So I don't really have a solid three because Dean was on that list. 
Uh, but I'll go to my other person, which is kind of out there. But I think Chelsea yes. is a poor edit from this season. Um, if you remember way, way back weeks ago, Chelsea started out the season really weird. All she talked about was Island of the Idols. Uh, she got like content, but it was so obvious that she was in pre-merge boot and like a shocking one. And I think maybe this is just a shout out to Survivor as a whole being like, don't do this, like make characters because I think Chelsea is also very interesting. And we didn't see that on the show. We saw like a very narrative, um, like in a bad way, like just sort of narrating the moment to moment stuff. Um, But just content that wasn't great for what Chelsea was. And it was a very like easy to see pre-merge boot. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is with Chelsea is her edit was either winner and then she's going long-term or nothing. And so the fact that she ends up leaving in episode four means that all this, like like any long-term hype for her is nothing. So what we learn about her is she knows the name of the season and she can make fun of it. Mm-hmm. When instead you could have actually shown this girl, like you look at her Twitter feed, this girl loves Survivor. Right. Like, super super fan tell a story of how um like you want to be here so bad but you don't like what happens when you don't win what happens Mm -hmm. when you don't make the end that could have it could have been like a beautiful tragic story but instead she's nothing like she literally gets no story she ends up dating dean in an episode and gets voted out like yeah and like so bad this is at a point when I think there's to some extent, well, it is post Karishma cutting her hand, but like, I think there was a thought that any of Lyra would be more important than they actually were. And like, we thought they needed to be shielded for some reason, but like, I feel you could better show the brutality of Lyra and cutting Chelsea and I mean, mm. Dean obviously goes the farthest and he's like, like Chelsea's second hand, but yeah, it's just mishandled. I feel. Yeah, even if you show Dean and Chelsea just madly in love from, like, episode two, (laughs) and then Chelsea gets cut, and then you get angry Dean, Mm -hmm. all of those things are better than what we got, which is just, she states the obvious, the character. Like, like literally Captain Obvious, the character. It's just like, or show, like, a Chelsea-Dean moment in episode one. And mm-hmm. then maybe even have Dean be under the radar for the rest of Chelsea's tenure. And then have him pop up. And it's like, did, Chelsea, did Dean inherit Chelsea's edit? And that's a more interesting thing to discuss. Yep. And then that's a question, right? Yeah. Instead, it was thrown on us in the episode she left. So you can't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I 100% agree with this, Chelsea. One, I think that's actually a good pick that I wouldn't have. But in hindsight, yeah, like her episode one's terrible. Her episode two's terrible. So three, she makes fire. And then episode four, she's love sick with Dean. Mm-hmm. And this is a girl who applied like six times. Like, yeah, her pregame stuff is like amazing. Like, yeah, loves the game. Like, I believe she was the number one picked pre like uh, preseason character on our on our Survivor. Oh, to win. Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. And that's like you give her Captain Obvious edit. It's it's so yeah. bad. Yeah, um, you wouldn't think that from the edit here. But no, Chelsea for second chances. 100%. She's actually, she's a good pick to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two, I think you disagree here, is Janet. Um, <laughs> I think Janet's edit was really bad. My take is basically episode one, she looks amazing. And then she vanishes for like seven episodes. She comes back. She's amazing. And then she's amazing. She's amazing. Then she vanishes for a couple episodes. 
Um, that's not okay. I don't think like like just show her being pretty good for the most part. Because I didn't ever really think Janet could win, except for, like, episode two and three. Um, And that's not good. Like, I mean, she was an actual winner contender in the end of the game. If she was, like, 10th place, maybe I get this. But she wasn't. She made it shockingly far. She was in the finale, probably the second most likely winner, right? Like, uh-huh. if you really think about odds. Because if the idol nullifier isn't played, she wins. And this is the edit she gets? I mean, yeah, this is where I disagree, because I'm like, it wasn't enough. But I've, of course, I would have loved to see more, and I see where the gaps are. And I do think, yeah, you can say there's a case to that merge part where she just sort of blends back into the majority, and it's like, okay. Like, like she didn't just do that. Like, she was ostracized in that episode. Yeah. She's, like, back in everything. And it's just, yeah, highlight that more. Like, make her more than just a nice lady who can make fire and win. Yep. I 100% agree with that. And mostly this is just out of, like, I think they were given a all-time great story on a silver platter, and they gave us, like, a Big Mac, which is still really good, but <laughs> could be so much better. That is excellent, yes. You know, like, you love your Big Mac, but, it, like, it's not going to compare to a gourmet burger or whatever. Um, mm. Who's your number three? See, I like I said, Dean, I mean, I think it's easy to take uh, the easier out here is Dan. But, like, like I said, I've been pretty, like, I think radical in that, like, just cut Dan out of the season and, like, state, like, what happened is not okay. But I feel like a lot of the season is spent on time with Dan strategically that doesn't need to be there and can be better spent elsewhere. Yeah, honestly, Dan's a good uh, recommendation here. Yeah, you're right. Like, why was he given this weird justification continuously? Mm -hmm. I'll never understand um like it really is bizarre um from like pretty early on we were talking about how it's weird that he's continuously backed up yeah i don't know why they justified him constantly it's it's just like you have characters like kelly shin who quit and they're like well her punishment is that she won't be edited at all and it's just alec made an instagram story yeah or like even when your character is very important to the story aka natalie bolton you're just under editing them. Like, like, why not do it here where you have like the most ammunition you've ever had to just be like, yeah, this guy, not great. Yeah. Like when you look at the numbers, just of like visibility, Dan has roughly the same visibility as Lauren, mm-hmm. which is unforgivable. Like seriously, if you just give every scene of Dan to Lauren, this is a better season. Mm-hmm. And the joke is just like, why is Dan not around? And- postseason you learn because he's a terrible person and that's it like, that's that's a good way to do it um yeah it's just like think of all the other characters that like when chelsea was getting purpled it's like what did chelsea do wrong what is she going to do wrong turns out nothing <laughs> yeah uh dan like oh he's gonna pretty normal edit but like oh it's just- yeah his edit makes sense if he's a losing finalist i i would in- sign off on that whatever yeah you end up with a creep in the final tribal. I get it. He was removed from the game for being creepy. <laughs> How did he get this good at it? Like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a complete condemnation. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with Dan. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think mostly everybody else was pretty good. Um, yeah, it's a it's like a mixture, and a lot of it is like, well, they didn't win, so of course it's not yeah perfect, sparkling at it, but like good. Like, yeah, my third else? would be, I don't even know. Like, it, it probably is also Dan. Um, mm-hmm. 
Because I think overall, most people were really good. I mean, even Aaron would be like my next one, but I wouldn't say it's a bad edit. I would say, yeah. you know, he was a predictable edit. It's like I, Elaine and Elizabeth could have some holes patched in, but like, yes, they also, they didn't win. So like, yeah, like I'm okay. Like maybe labeling Elaine and saying, okay, well, why was she in like four episodes? Um, yeah. But like, that might be honestly the, my next answer, but it's a tier below all these other that mm-hmm. actively had problems because if you fix those other problems elaine's problem makes less like makes more sense yeah like whatever she just had nothing important to say at this tribal like that's mm-hmm. fine um but yeah so that's our worst three edits worst goes to lauren editors do not ever edit someone like lauren like this ever again mm-hmm. um don't make people worse don't make people worse unless it's dan i mean you have the perfect example <laughs> yeah don't make people worse unless it's dan um which you didn't do. You made them look better. What are you doing? Um, just bizarre editing choices there. Mm-hmm. But overall, like, good. Now let's crown the best edits of the season. And for this yes. one, we'll start with the third best and go up. For okay. Uh, who do I want to... I think my third best is... Uh, let's go Karishma. I think Karishma is almost on the verge where it's like, there are weird gaps. And, like, it could have been a little more full. But on the whole... Like, Karishma had us, like, guessing the entire season. We were like, what is this character? And it turns out that's because she's super complex. She is this character who never fit in and was kind of annoying, but also, like, playing her hardest and had a lot of interesting things going on. And I think the edit we saw was just a really good encapsulation of all those moments. And I'm very happy with it. Yeah, I'll endorse that. Um, Karishma, I mean... Early on, we get this scene of her saying, you know, what do you guys think about arranged marriage? Because me and my husband are more like roommates than anything. And at the end, it's her finally realizing how much she loves her husband. Ugh. And beautiful storytelling. Is, like, Yeah, just beautiful. Like, her story gives me goosebumps right now as I'm talking. I know, me too. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Um, I honestly think three might be a robbery here, but... I think that shows just how good the season is. Is mm-hmm. like we got a story of somebody that, like, their story was not fitting in with a group and not being different from all the young people and coming from a different cultural background, and that making them love their background more. Like that's so beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, and she plays her right, all right, and she wants to be like she says she wanted to be jungle queen, survivor, player, master because she's a super fan but she's just not good at Survivor. She's just not good at it. She wants to be more than anything. She'll burn brighter than anybody else at being good at Survivor, but she just can't do it. Ugh. It's amazing. Like, like, oh God, she's such a well-told story. It's like a movie. Like it really is. This is Lady Bird. You know what I mean? It's Lady <laughs> Bird Survivor. Um, it's, it's amazing. Like hats off to whoever was in charge of this narrative production here because you nailed it there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, my double- I guess I want to say, in like, it would be so easy, I think, to under edit her too. It's mm-hmm. just like a goat, like, oh, what a goat. She's like, we'll worry about her when we do. And like, yeah, and her. we even get her getting her moment to address that. You know what I mean? She's like, everyone says I'm a goat. I'm not a goat. I'm not predictable. And I mm-hmm. never will be. Like, she gets to like burn it, like rage against the machine. And like, <laughs> she's like parts where you're like, Oh, I hope she just gets voted out. And then moments where like, I can't believe I thought that mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to my number three, Jamal. I think mm-hmm. Jamal's edit was really good. 
Uh, most of it is on the back of how great he is, but like the Jack Jamal scene was so good early on. We get scenes of him being pretty good, but bad at the game of Survivor. He's an, and I think that's an amazing tightrope that they walked, where they're telling us Jamal is a overconfident dick in the game of Survivor, <laughs> but as a human being, is spectacular. Mm-hmm. I think that was almost a story I don't think I've seen before where someone's bad at Survivor, but a good person. And I love that they were able to tell us both of those things about this person. Yeah. I think with both of the people we've talked about, it's just this, like, people are good, but also bad, and that's okay. Yes. (laughs) And I think, I feel like this season embraced that more than any other, because I feel like there's people I still have to talk about who are still that way. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yes, this is okay. This is what we want. Like, flawed characters, both sides. It's great. Yep. No, like... Jamal was just a like a firecracker, like so good. Mm-hmm. Um, like he really like at the jury, he was so good. Even like in this finale, um, when he leaves, he's so good. He leaves like I could imagine casting a vote for him at that tribal, and I left with more feelings than I felt about most people who get voted out. You know what I mean? Like I left sad. The mm-hmm. audience at large left sad, and that's a testament to how good he is and how good the editors did to propel him up. Right. Who's your number two? Uh, number two, I think we're going to go with Nora. Like, is it an absolute mess? Yes. But is Nora an absolute mess? Yes. And just beginning to end, we saw all these different sides and shades and instances of Nora. And it's just, a, like I said, presenting both sides. We know Nora is a good person in some ways, but we know she can tear others and just the edit made sure to always show how great Nora was as a character and like why she's great television and yes so, and like I feel like she comes out in the end like people love her like an amazing character I agree I think this is a good uh, good recommendation of she's complicated you know what I mean like mm-hmm. she's negative for ways that you She's Natalie Cole, but if Natalie Cole was edited to have a good heart and actually be thinking about the best of things at the end of the day. Mm, you know right. what I mean? Like, we never got wickedness from Nora, except for maybe in that Karishma scene. But or even when then... She, when she's hid Dean's shoes. Yes. <laughs> but even then, I felt like it was always um, manipulated or edited to be more juvenile. Yeah. Like she's goofy she's not mean she's um you know i mean she's a she's a fully realized character like i feel like at the end of this season you can place her in whatever your favorite movie is and understand how she would react to those characters right and that's the sign of a great character right like you pluck Mm -hmm. her out of survivor you put her in an episode of friends you know how her and phoebe get along you know how her and ross get along Mm -hmm. that's that's a sign of an amazing amazing story that they've told i love that her story was Nora ruins people's games because it kind of was true. Um, she's almost the most modern equivalent of Sugar, mm-hmm. where yeah, Sugar is just edited as like a storm for everybody that gets involved with her. Nora was kind of that, but positive. I think that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And not like over edited. Like I think you could. I think yes. with Philip Shepard as an analog, he was just so in your face the whole time. It was so easy to get tired of. But like, yeah, where Nora sometimes can- I was like. I wish I had more Nora. Yeah. And then I got more Nora. I'm like, you know what? Maybe a little bit less, you know, a little bit less Nora. Yeah. Um, they did a good job of balancing it. You're right. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. My number two best edit of Survivor Island of the Idols is Kelly Kim. Amazing edit from beginning to start. Or 
beginning to end. Um, not beginning to start. Our episode one was just that good. No, like, <laughs> like I said, I think she might be my favorite survivor of all time. Like, she's so amazing. I do think there's one edit that I think we both have number one that, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, is that good. Um, that it supersedes my favorite survivor of all time. But, oh my god, Kelly was amazing from the ep- first episode, and, like, first you feel a little bad for her, and you, and you grow to love her because of the one-on-one relationship she has. And then, from there, you get an amazing player, and then you get an even more amazing p- person. Like, they really, I think, handled Kelly so well. I think she's almost the one of the primary voices of this female empowerment theme, because she was just that much of a badass. She knew... She like she cutthroats, took names, had no problem with it, made the biggest move of the season, the biggest gamble of the season. It didn't pay off, but like this girl left with two idols. Like Kelly's Kim, Kelly Kim's fingerprints are all over this season in a really good way. She massively raises the quality of the season, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have changed anything with her story. I think the one reason she's not on my list is that there are gaps where it could have been better. Like, on my chart right now, I'm seeing two big, like, UTR1s. Like, I feel like you should give this person, like, the winners that they deserve. Yeah. And, like, there's just these, like, like, give her something. Like, there's just, I want more, Kelly. And I think that's also a good thing, but it's just not, like, the perfect handling that I would have liked to see. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. I I think the two problems with their edit are this invisible three in episode six. Three and six, for some reason, she wasn't super visible. They should have soaked up every moment with her because she's is charismatic gold she's tv gold her story was good and it's tragic she's a shakespearean hero where like we get a sequel afterwards like this pre-merge was the story of kelly the story of why someone this great can't succeed in the game of survivor because the world's unfair and mm-hmm. like it was one of those like even you brutus moments and it was so good I mean, it was so bad, but so good. You know what I mean? It was, it's what yeah. you come to drama for. And mm. it's just a tragic, beautiful story that Kelly's able to have over this whole game. She literally leaves voting her oppressor out and getting voted out instead. If that's not the best um, reflection of society ever, I don't know what is because that's what happens in the real world and it was so perfectly encapsulated. It sucks that this is reality and not a pre-written story mm-hmm. um, but this reflected like a pre-written story. Um, I love Kelly so much. She really is up there, is one of my favorites of all time. Um, she made the season better every single time she popped up right. and yeah, like Absolutely my number two here. Mm-hmm. I just remember and, having such low hopes for a preseason and then yeah. was just so pleasantly supply- surprised. Yeah, I thought she would be terrible. Like, I like it's like, I just gushed over her. I really did not think she would be good. And I massively ate crow there. And I think I usually have a pretty good... She mm-hmm. seemed like a dud preseason. It's freaking Kelly Kim. Um, I don't know how well she'll do on a second go, but I absolutely hope she gets one. I I wonder if she will play again. I just can't imagine her wanting yeah. to come back. But it'd be hard. Yeah, and I she mean, doesn't have the love of Survivor that some of these people do. Like she's a new fan. Like mm-hmm. this isn't everything she's ever wanted. She'll accomplish in life. I yeah. hope I get to see her again on my TV. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if she's ready again, I'm sure it'll be great. And yeah, hundred percent. So that brings us to our number one best edited. 
And I think we have the same one. Yeah, I don't think we've talked about this person at all. Otherwise, in this episode, we haven't. It was so weird. But like, so the official winners edit podcast greatest edit trophy award goes to Missy Payne or Missy Bird, not Missy Payne. Not Missy. Ah. Payne. <laughs> It'd be really funny if it did, but no. <laughs> Missy absolutely is the best edit of this season, and I think one of the best character stories of all time Mm -hmm. in Survivor. Yeah, first off, people were, like, very against her jury antics, and I'm like, no, that was fun. Like, she did, like, just enough to make it good. Like, when she handed Kelly popcorn Mm -hmm. or all that, or her reactions to Dean, just... Uh, so yeah. good, but just this this story and i think when missy left i was like missy is too intense for me and i don't know if i like her as much that being said her edit is like it's like great it's like we get to see someone who is like so here to play the game so aggressively yes she is the icarus of this season she burns too bright she flies too close to the sun she can't possibly live anymore <laughs> Like, it's outstanding from the very first second. Like, we're introduced to her, and she's like, like, she gets that, like, um, like, I, being the sole survivor is dope. Um, I have a brain tumor. You learn everything about her in that first confessional. Mm -hmm. That's her personal content. And then after that, it's immediately, like, I'm making a woman's alliance, and I'm gonna be a player like you've never, ever seen before. And she freaking delivered on that from moment one every tribal she went to every moment she was willing to play at a pace at a level beyond everybody else and the edit was not afraid to show that for the mm-hmm. first time ever i roasted survivor game changers for being scared to show sarah lacina as a badass and then missy comes out here and she's laughing at our hero she's making fun of the people we want to do well and you love her for it you love to hate her for it it's the ultimate heel in survivor i think is missy bird here where every moment it's like she's giving these godfather-esque lines like she's so good Mm -hmm. and i think looking at my contenders like we had dropped missy off the charts like by episode like it's almost sad that we saw that survivor like would not do this sort of hardcore like game player edit for someone like missy Mm -hmm. and so i think she sort of dropped out of our like discussion at that point but like her edit as for who she was on the game is just so it encapsulates who she was as a player which i think is the best thing you can ask for absolutely that's why i have karishma up here that's why i have noir here and missy is the pinnacle of just who they are yeah 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 i mean like this whole time we've done this podcast we've been asking for showing characters as they actually are missy was a force you know what Mm. i mean and they edited her that way they were not afraid to show her as somebody who is willing to do anything to win survivor and obviously that caused a lot of controversy she was literally willing to do anything but they told us that they told us this is a girl that has had such a hard life before this this survivor is her chance to redo her life so she's willing to do anything. And we saw that. Mm-hmm. And it's ultimately, in many ways, her demise. She makes a play against Tommy on her boot episode. Yep. And it's Elaine who fail, like, honestly fails, right? Like, <laughs> the move to keep Tommy is clearly the worst move of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, by Karishma, by Elaine. Um, like, going with Missy was the right move. And that's when you know a villain is well told. 
is when they're right. The Joker <laughs> works in The Dark Knight because everybody deep down inside of them wonders what the world looks like if society burns and starts again. Like, and that's kind of what Missy had here, where she was Godfather-esque, Joker-esque, where she's willing to do anything. She will, like, straight up lie to people. She will, like, emotionally manipulate people, and she's okay with it. But she's still mm-hmm. a good person. She cares about representation. She cares about being a good role model. And that's what's so good about her. Like, she's both sides at once, all at once, simultaneously. I think this is one of the best Survivor edits of all time, no question. Yeah. And this is this is 10th place. Like, it feels like so much more than a 10th place edit. Yes. To me. I think it's surprising to see her so far down my chart, like, almost in the middle. It's like, but it's the perfect amount of screen time. Like, I knew who she was throughout. And, yeah, just great telling of the story yeah and like she gave moments where like i got goosebumps just of how haunting what she was saying was like when she was like laughing at karishma for um like you know what i mean like that scene was so good Mm -hmm. and also her story being a um meta commentary on how hard it is to have a women's alliance in survivor like that's what it was right like we had the Kelly Kim Janet side of like women's alliance thinking about it is sexist because no one ever thinks about guys alliance. But then you see the, the, at the same time, the real time struggle that Missy's having to deal with when she's, she's just trying to be good representation of women. She's Mm -hmm. trying to make a good women's alliance and seeing how hard it is because social factors limit her ability to do it. And She's still able to excel in spite of that. Like, all over the place, Missy's handprints are here. And Mm. Missy made the season so much better. Her closing words were, I love this. I played 30 days. I'll play 39 more any day. I'm so scared we're never going to see Missy play Survivor again. She needs to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's almost like, I know she'll probably play something similar to this. But I want to see another incarnation of that. I want to see... Can it be more successful? How will other people react now that they know this is what Missy will potentially bring to the table? Yeah. Because I think it's not something where you see it and then if you're a good game player, you take it one way. I think there's different ways to deal with a Missy-like player that are all interesting. So I agree. Um, And yeah, like I do think, like I think Missy's got kind of raked over the coals by the Survivor community. And ultimately, as she says in her, in the merge episode, it's like, well, my choice is either get voted out like a punk or really make a big move. And she chose to do that. I, I can never hold it to get her for that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. she wanted to win so bad she's willing to do anything. And I can't blame her for that. Um, I blame the show. I blame the producers. I would never blame Missy. Um, her story was masterfully told. Whoever was in charge of this deserves like a super promotion. Whatever a super promotion is. Um, like jump two up, you know? Okay, Um, yeah. Like so good, and I was shocked we came to the same one. We came up with these lists before we talked to each other. We both had Missy number one, Mm -hmm. and like as somebody who loved Missy and you were against Missy, that shows how good this is. In retrospect, we both come into the conclusion this was the the character of the season. Right. Cool. So yeah, that's the season. Um. We're way higher on it than most people. I think this will go higher up in uh, a couple of years. Yeah. But overall. I, think, I mean, we don't know how 40 is going to go, but being sandwiched between two Edge of Extinction seasons. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. My hot take, 39 is going to be much better than 40. Um, like, I agree. I think 40 is going to be bad. 
Um, and I think it's going to be fun to talk about because I think we'll have a unique perspective here because I think a lot of people are... I'm so excited to see all the winners because they're all my favorite characters. And I think the very foundation of our show has been, well, the winner is not necessarily the most interesting character or the best character. <laughs> they're just shown that way. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see 20 people who've been manipulated to be the best of their season, what they actually look like. Right. It's just, yeah, I mean, I've looked at the promo and been like, oh, I guess I'm excited for some of the people, but then I'm also like, winners are never like the people I'm here for. Yeah. Interesting to come at this with like, it's more like 19 guarantees of people who aren't winning. Yeah. I, I think that's the exciting part to me is seeing what, 19 people that we haven't se- i mean what we've seen like four of them lose probably like, i don't know what the actual number is but we've seen a number of them lose before mm-hmm. well, all the ones who haven't we're gonna see a good number of them lose yeah for the first time that's what i'm most interested in mm-hmm. actually from a storytelling perspective like right i loved seeing jt get torn down in this two pre- pre- um preceding seasons but like i'm like deep down in my evil heart, I hope we see Kim Spradlin get like a Philip Shepard at it. See, that would be like I'm I'm excited for like Kim Spradlin to win again and she could be the same person. But also Kim Spradlin as Philip Shepard is amazing. Right? Like And I'm yeah, I guess my fear is that because these are 20 heralded characters of Survivor legend, like they're going to make it sort of They'll be scared to beige. make villains. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's no. a chance it's beige. Like I know you're going to have Tony as a villain and Tyson as a villain, but like, I want like Michelle Fitzgerald villain. I want. Yeah. Like everyone. Like, yeah. Cause like, that's the thing. Like when you think all winners, you think of the color red, you think of a bloodbath, but mm-hmm. their reluctance to show their winners, the people who win the game as anything but great because it makes their game look bad. Um, mm-hmm. You're right. The color beige comes to mind is in everybody looks kind of good, but uh, like no one look because of that no one looks great because of that no one looks bad which bad is good like you know what i mean like we want villains we want bad guys we want they make the good guys look good yeah and yeah if there's a raw reluctance to actually edit this season naturally especially with edge of extinction which we saw right like we saw like these weird edits of people get voted out and their boo edit be like nothing and Edge mm-hmm. of Extinction, because their story wasn't over. Mm-hmm. We could easily see, like, ten winners get, like, the, I got voted out first or second, but I believe in myself, so I'm positive story. Yeah, I'm very excited, but also so nervous for, for what could come of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll do a long-term podcast about that in time. Um, mm-hmm. It's something I'm excited to talk about, but for tonight... That's our show. We hope you all had an amazing holiday. Hope you enjoyed the season as much as we do. Agree with me and everybody who disagrees with me is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously joking. Um, <laughs> you can email us at, us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. No S. If you have any ideas for like, um, like we're going to probably do a season 40 podcast at some point before the show. Um, if you have any thoughts of like deep dives or something you want us to do, let us know. Um, follow me at Danny Kills Bees. You can follow Joe at jchapman9000. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything I'm forgetting? We'll post shows so. Friday, Saturdays. This one um, is going to be a special Boxing Day 
um extravaganza um for all you americans boxing day is the most important holiday in canada um apparently it's like black friday yeah it's like the shopping day of the year like we didn't get black friday till like two years ago and <laughs> like we didn't know what it was got boxing day it's december 26th um it's when you get the real good deals i don't know why you want gifts after christmas but <laughs> so <it works. laughs> canadians can't explain <laughs> yeah um but yeah I hope you all had an amazing season podcasting with us and we'll see you again talking about the terrible twists of season 40 when season 40 comes. Winners at war. Ah, (laughs) Could have been so much better. Peace. Uh, Goodbye. (laughs)